One thing that people don't realize about Bob Ross, the series, The Joy of Painting, is just that Bob was showing you a technique. He wanted you, first of all, just get out and have fun. Just experience creativity and, and let it fill you with joy. Bob wanted everyone to paint, and he said, it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to make you into the next Picasso. This is a technique for everyone of all races, of all ages, of all sizes and persuasions, of all uh, proclivities and abilities. And this is a way for you just to experience the joy of seeing a blank piece of canvas in this particular case and being able to create an environment that is all your own. Today we're talking to artist James Sisk about his work and all the ways that it's been molded and influenced by the legacy of artist Bob Ross. On a larger level, we'll also explore how teaching art can be a way to spread inclusivity, joy, and in the case of James and Bob, really just a sense of peace. I'm SK Bodwin. This is Charlotte Art League's Artist Spotlight series. Well, I'm uh, James Sisk, and uh, I'm not sure exactly where I'm from. I am an army brat and a preacher's kid. So I was born in Fort Worth, Texas, but uh, my father was from North Carolina. So after he finished seminary, he came back here to North Carolina. And the next thing I know, uh, he announced to the family that he had been called into the army chaplaincy. And so he became an army chaplain and uh, immediately went over to Vietnam. And so we moved around quite a bit. I've lived overseas in Germany for about 12 years. James tells me a bit about what that was like to move around a lot and to live outside of the U.S. for much of his growing up years. James also tells me how that experience actually ended up leading him to discover art. Moving around a lot in the military, you become either an extrovert or an introvert. And uh, I was the latter. And so I was shy. Uh, I always felt like I was the outsider, etc. I went to four different high schools. Uh, in the 11th grade, I went to a high school in Brooklyn, New York, where we lived for a year in New York City. We went from there to a little German village of about 2,000 people where my brother and I were the only American teenagers for about 30 miles around. So I was a doodler in school. So it was in my senior year of high school in an American high school in Germany that I had an art teacher that saw my doodles and created a curriculum just for me and she introduced me to just the most magnificent things. She would bring in books and tell me to take it home and look at every picture, and she was so inspiring. And of all the teachers that I had many years ago, I only remember one name, and that's Mrs. Scheibe, my art teacher in the 12th grade. After several years creating his self-described doodles and then spending his senior year of high school learning more about art, James wanted to continue studying art in an academic environment. Well, um, I graduated high school in Germany, and so it was difficult. Uh, that was back in the day when you had to put a stamp on your communications. And so I wanted to go to the Pratt Institute of Art in Brooklyn, New York, uh, where we had just moved from. And my uh, parents who were paying for my school had other plans. So uh, instead it was the University of Texas. And so I knew that they had an art program, and so I did. I started taking art classes, uh, graphic design, sculpture, other art classes along with the, the rest of the curriculum. And so I was an art major in college. And the concept of starving artists lost its appeal to me. And I was hanging around guys in ROTC. I was familiar with the Army, so the next thing I know, there I go. So about halfway through his curriculum in the art major, 
James decided to join ROTC, and he ultimately ended up switching his major in order to set himself up for service after his undergrad career. After graduating from the University of Texas and ROTC, James began his several-year commitment of service to the Army. In what was quite a poetic sequence of events, the year that James entered the service, his father retired from his career. Uh, my father, the year he got out of the Army, I went in. I got into a program that pretty much kept me in Germany, and I already had a good background in Germany and the language and the like. And so, yeah, out of my uh, 20 years in the Army, eight of it was spent in Germany. That was during the 1980s and 90s, and uh, during the first part of that, the 1980s, the Cold War was still going on, and so I was involved in that. And after that, just general logistics and supply. And like, but I kept painting, I kept doodling, I kept drawing. Every once in a while, I'd go and have a very long dry spell, and then uh, something would just click, and you know, I would create. But just for family and friends, and just for myself. James mentioned that sometimes something would click, or something would make him want to start creating. And I'm curious to know more about some of those moments and feelings that made James want to sit down with art again. Well, it was a, a good coping mechanism. You know, I had uh, one assignment in Germany where I was right on the German-Danish border, very isolated, and long winters. Flensburg, Germany is about the same latitude as Hudson Bay, Canada. And so the sun sets down at 3.30 and, you know, gets up at 10 o'clock the next day. So I found art was very therapeutic. But I have always sensed that I've been gifted, I guess, uh, nothing of my own volition, but I've been able to have a very good perception. I, I just, I, I'm never bored. I can't remember the last time I was bored. Uh, there's always something, and I just look at things, and things appear, and uh, most of my art is just pure, something that I see that I latch on to. And so uh, that, that's been something that's been with me for as long as I can remember. So after 20 years of service in the Army, James left his position and began a second phase of life with his next career. After that, I uh, moved here to Charlotte, and that's been uh, home base now for the last 20 years. Okay, I'm giving my age away now. Um, so I got a job with the community college system, and I was uh, lucky enough to use the experience that I got in the military and apply it commercially to supply chain management, logistics, and that kind of thing. But the same as my former career, you know, I continue to paint. During his time with the Army, and then during his time as a professor, James was able to explore his art using the environment and surroundings that he had available to himself at the time. I'm self-taught. I've taken um, two art classes in my life since high school. One a soft pastel and the other a Bob Ross certification. And so the rest of it is uh, experimental, hit and miss. But thankfully here in the modern time, we have YouTube. So I subscribe to probably 30 or more YouTube channels where you know artists are willing to share their techniques and I just soak it all in. James mentioned that aside from his high school class, he's only taken two art classes, one of which was a Bob Ross certification class. Here at the Charlotte Art League, much of James's work is centered around Bob Ross, and he actually leads a Bob Ross painting course here every month. I asked him to tell me how his interest in Bob Ross's style first began. I did not watch Bob Ross when he was on the air. I didn't watch PBS when I was young, and so I knew that I was about to retire. Uh, my wife and I went down to uh, Daytona Beach to visit a niece, 
and her and her husband. And so we went down and we visited them and went out to lunch uh, in a little strip mall in New Smyrna Beach. And I looked up and it said Bob Ross Studio. And I went, is that that weird guy with like an afro or something? So we walked over, I looked inside and there was a class going on. I thought, well, I'm not supposed to disturb the class. And the instructor saw me looking through the window and waved me in and I went in and I looked and I picked up some literature and I went home and a couple of months later uh, retired and I said, oh, well, what am I going to do in the next chapter of my life? And uh, I love oils. That's what I predominantly worked in is oils. And I did a lot of landscaping and um, I saw his style. And uh, so I decided to go to the Bob Ross certification course. It's three weeks long. You paint a total of about 25 paintings and it's pretty much painting all day long. As James began his Bob Ross painting journey and began to learn the technique himself, he then decided to expand this one step further and venture further into the teaching space. He tells me a little bit about how that transition took place. The certification course also goes beyond that into you know how to teach Bob Ross, how to use Bob Ross for perhaps art therapy. And you know, I've always enjoyed teaching. I did not think that I ever would, but when I was in the military, I had two assignments where I was an instructor. And even while I was in the military, I taught part-time for a community college, and when I got out, I taught. So I love teaching. I love being around young people. I love seeing light bulbs go on uh, on top of their heads. Uh, I love people discovering things for the first time. I also like being able to take subjects and break them down so that they're easily digestible. And so I didn't know that I would stumble into teaching Bob Ross, but after the certification course and after my retirement from teaching college, I knew that I wanted to continue that. There are people that are fans of Bob. The courses here are very popular. They fill up, all of them do. So James touches on an interesting phenomenon here. People love Bob Ross. The same is true of James's Learn to Paint Like Bob Ross class that he teaches here at the Art League. He tells me about the enthusiasm with which some of his students approach his class. So I, I enjoy people coming to the class wearing their Bob Ross t-shirts, and uh, I haven't had anybody show up yet in the wig, but people come just full of excitement, and it's just pleasantness. It's just all-American fun. I, I say all-American, but if you go on to YouTube and you look at the latest uh, Bob Ross Happy Birthday YouTube video, it's filmed across the world. And sure enough, there were people from you know Indonesia, Germany, but there's nothing better than watching a Bob Ross episode dubbed in Korean. James touches on this universality of people's love for Bob Ross. So what are the characteristics that draw people to his painting tutorials and just his overall philosophy? Coming back to modern times, yeah, you know, it's stressful. People are under a, a lot of pressure. It's a very fast-paced environment, whereas Bob is slow, and it's quiet, and it is calming. It's reassuring, and he's such an uplifting, quirky person with his Jordache jeans and his shirt unbuttoned a little bit. People today have, you know, embraced him, launched onto him. Even the young people, I think there's something that's wholesome, kind of like Mr. Rogers, you know, uh, about it. It's a throwback to more simpler times. People say that he's the original AMSR, you know, that he's very calming and soothing. People use him to wind down after a, you know, particularly, uh, you know, stressful day. There was a woman who was an ER doctor who would come home and uh, pour herself a 
glass of Chardonnay and sit and watch one of Bob's uh, 381 episodes on YouTube. And, um, you know, the world was right again. It, it, it has just such a calming effect. When I was down in uh, New Smyrna Beach at the Bob Ross studio, it was spring break time, a couple of young ladies came in and uh, of course they were welcome into the studio and they looked around and one got emotional and the instructor was asking them about how did they discover Bob, et cetera, and they discovered him on Twitch and um, they said that they get together and they watch Bob Ross in the dorm and it helps with the uh, you know isolation, perhaps being away from home, uh, bad breakups, you know, stressful tests and those kinds of things. And uh, it was just a joy to see these women, uh, you know, come in as well as other people. Um, there were people in my class, one couple had flown in from China and another man had come in from Australia all the way to New Smyrna Beach, Florida to paint like Bob Ross. As it turns out, the people who come to James's Bob Ross painting class aren't the only art students he's been able to teach during his lifetime. James has a daughter, and as she was growing up, James was able to encourage her to explore art and the joy that it can bring. I do have a, a former tax deduction, joy of my life. I can remember 34 years ago, absolutely every down to the second detail of the day that she was born. She was born in a German hospital, so she has two uh, birth certificates. And so she was born right on the Danish border. And she picked up doodling on her own. And uh, she would watch me paint and she would watch me doodle. And of course, I have always want to encourage young people to pursue whatever passion that they have. And so I would buy her art supplies and things and the like. So as James fostered in his daughter this love for art and for drawing, she took this passion one step further and turned it into an entire career. She's an illustrator. I tell her that all the time and uh, have always encouraged her to uh, commercialize her talents. But uh, at present, she is uh, medical illustration. And so she'll do recreations of what a human would look like by observing skulls. And so she's worked with National Geographic on those. And so she w worked with uh, anthropologists who had found uh, a skull somewhere in South Africa and then kind of brought it to life and animated it so it turned its head and blinked and opened its mouth and sneezed and all sorts of things. I'm curious about the ways that technology has impacted art over the past several decades. And I'm also curious if that's a dynamic that exists within the context of this spectrum of intergenerational artists that James and his daughter represent. I asked James if he himself has ever ventured into the digital art space. I have not, uh, you know, being a, uh, a lifelong uh, baby boomer, uh, you know, I'm kind of old school in that respect, although I love technology. I absolutely just am fascinated with what people are doing with computers. And uh, one thing that I've discovered recently on uh, YouTube is that people have taken vintage film from the 1910s and 1920s, perhaps even earlier, and of course they were, you know, not regulated in speed and they were not well in terms of clarity and they certainly weren't in color. And these incredible, I'm gonna call them uh, digital artists, take these old archival pieces of film and they colorize them, they slow them down and they use digital technology to remove graininess and the like. And they are absolutely fascinating, gives you a glimpse into life 110 years ago, just as if you were there. 
and it, it's breathtaking for me. And finally, to wrap up my conversation with James, I ask my favorite and also my go-to staple question. What do you hope your art makes people feel? And what do you want your art to add to the world? I want people to, you know, have that peace in their home. I love the fact that since I've joined Charlotte Art League, my, my work is in people's homes and perhaps maybe in their business, but I want to uh, give them that feeling that they would get looking up and seeing, it's not Bob Ross, he didn't paint that, but it's a Bob Ross style painting. And maybe that will evoke uh, perhaps something from uh, you know their uh, association, relation, perception of Bob. But um, I've enjoyed just taking what I have done in the past and continuing on. I like to keep traditions alive, and I like to help out the next generation. And um, you know, we'll, we'll keep the spirit of Bob Ross and his techniques alive.